0: Listening to KHOL. This is Jackson Unpacked, our weekly podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. I'm News Director Kyle Mackey. Just a quick note before we get started that our winter membership drive is Monday, January 28th through Friday, February 4th. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station and the only nonprofit newsroom in Jackson. We're also listener supported, which means we rely on financial contributions from the community to keep doing what we're doing. Please give what you can today at 891KOL.org slash donate. And thank you for your support. We also have two exciting station events coming up that we would love to have you join us for. The first is a winter warmer dance party at High Point Cider in Victor on Saturday, February 5th, featuring DJs Cut and KHOL music director, New Jack. Then on Wednesday, February 9th, KHOL is co-hosting Local Live, a night to go behind the scenes of local news with Wildfile and the Jackson Hole News and Guide. The evening will feature print, radio, and photojournalists from all three publications sharing the stories behind their reporting. More information and tickets for both events are available at our website, 891KHOL.org. Now, coming up on today's show, the Natural Selection Tour has once again brought some of the world's top snowboarders to Jackson.
1: It truly is a return to kind of that core essence of snowboarding where you don't necessarily need a super pipe in your backyard.
0: Plus, an interview with Daniela Peterson, a longtime leader among Jackson's Latino and nonprofit communities and a new board member of the Community Foundation of Jackson Hole.
2: She's very proud that she can give the Latin community a voice.
0: But first, we turn to a new year-long study of the critical and sometimes chaotic roadway linking the two Teton counties of Idaho. Teton Pass.
3: Officials leading the Teton Pass Corridor Study held their first public meeting on Wednesday, January 26th. The goal of the effort is to analyze current and future issues and challenges on the pass, of which there is no shortage. Ketchum's Kyle Mackey reports.
0: Early on in the meeting, Jamie Lemon, a transportation planner for the Federal Highway Administration, asked participants to take a live poll about the first few words that come to okay, so mind like when they think of, of Teton Pass. A lot of good feedback. So the bigger the word, the more often that word has been submitted. So. A lot of people are thinking about uh, recreation themes. I see skiing, um, I see hiking, Um, I've seen the positive things and also some of the challenges. So parking, congested, commuter crowded. Okay, this is all really, really, uh, it's a good litmus test for us going into this uh, public. The funding for the new study comes from the Highway Administration's Federal Lands Access Program, which is aimed at transportation projects on roads that improve public access to federal lands. Teton County engineer Amy Ramage. All of us that live here now um, know that this road serves thousands of commuters every day. It contains critical wildlife habitat, and it also contains world class trails and recreation opportunities. All of these issues combined with severe winter weather and avalanche risk create a need for improvements over what today's conditions are in both management strategy and the actual physical infrastructure that we have out there. To be clear, The study's not going to be a silver bullet for the pass. Elijah Henley, the transportation planning team lead for the Highway Administration's Central Federal Lands Division, says the final document isn't meant to be directive, but it will provide a range of options that Teton County and the Wyoming Department of Transportation could pursue to make the busy corridor between Victor and the Stilson lot safer, and more functional.
4: What we've witnessed and what we've heard uh, is, you know, just a potential for conflicts, both vehicular, user, modal conflicts, wildlife, et cetera, is also growing, corresponding to the growth in population and uh, in traffic.
0: Henley answered lots of questions Wednesday about what exactly is going to be considered in the study a potential shuttle for recreationists, speed limits, parking, and wildlife and pedestrian crossings are all yeses. But when KHL asked about public transportation options specifically for commuters, he said that's not really the focus of this project.
4: Commute-related solutions, they really are pretty distinct from, uh, I think, recreational kind of access considerations. So the extent to which we'll get into recommendations related to increased commute service uh, is going to be limited, but we will touch upon it.
0: On the flip side, Jackson District Ranger for the Bridger Teton National Forest, Todd Stiles, also says the goal isn't necessarily to open the floodgates for unlimited recreation access.
4: I think it's safe to say that uh, the intent isn't to to have it be a large-scale expansion of recreation on the
5: pass. We do need to be able to handle the use with the trails we have and everything.
0: Moving forward, the project team is planning to hold another virtual or in-person public meeting this spring, depending on the COVID situation. A link to the project website where public comments can be submitted is available at highways.dot.gov. Kyle Mackey, Cagewell News. The Natural Selection Tour, a new and unique snowboarding competition, kicked off during the last week of January at the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. k Wells, Will Walkie and Jack Catlin bring us this report fresh from the slopes.
2: It's heavy,
4: huh? <sighs>
3: Marion Erte, currently living in Chamonix, France, just made it to the bottom of her first run at the Natural Selection Tour. A few seconds earlier, she was doing this. Over into that rider's right side. There we go, a little flare, backside ended up beating her competitor and advancing through qualifiers. She now moves up the bracket to face another one of the best female snowboarders in the world. And the same thing is happening on the men's side.
1: Check, check, one, two. My name is Rob Kingwell.
3: For the athletes, it's a party atmosphere on a bluebird week.
1: Hanging out here at the base of the tram, best ski resort on the entire planet, and tomorrow we are going to set off the natural selection tour, stop number one, this freaking pipe dream of Travis Rice's.
4: Um, You know, last year we had deeper snow conditions, for sure. I mean, last year was like, waist-deep pow. This year, we have good conditions, but they're sporty. Like, it's definitely more, like, resort riding style. Okay. Um,
6: which
3: Rob Kingwell and Travis Rice, the creator of the Natural Selection Tour, are both local legends of the Jackson snowboarding community. KHOL's Jack Catlin caught up with them and some of the other pro athletes at the resort the day before the event kicked off to ask about snow conditions and why they ride.
6: Travis, how are you feeling?
4: Some people call me the ultimate motivator. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Can you speak on... Kind of the steps you went through to collect these writers and how you kind of approached selecting each of them and the overall collection you wanted to represent
4: a lot's taken into consideration you know lifetime achievement you know recent say video parts or contest results and that's all baked into you know an an invite list that i think is uh, very very credible Mm -hmm. you know the goal with this venue was to celebrate creativity um, celebrate individualistic expression. And the goal for the build on these venues that we create and enhance is to provide enough optionality for riders to feel that they can express themselves. You know, you see these big...
3: Other snowboarders also appreciate the backcountry-style nature of this event, which differs from the Olympics or X Games.
6: Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome to be on the local radio where I grew up. Um... Blake Paul is yet another younger pro snowboarder who grew up here. I think they've kind of opened the door to something that's a little more interesting, a little more relatable than what you might see on a slip style or half pipe course. Nothing to take away from that for sure. I think they both are, all disciplines have their respected gnarly elements, but this is uh, carving a new path and something, so I think that's why it's really exciting.
1: It truly is a return to kind of that core essence of snowboarding where you don't necessarily need a super pipe in your backyard or a really good park. You can go out and look at the mountain and be like, hey, I can kind of slash that lip and I can build a little jump over there and just kind of bring it back to that core root of like just interacting with the mountain and dancing with the world around you.
3: Kingwell said he was also looking forward to other elements of the festival in town during natural selection called Stay Wild. Those new showcases this year include concerts, gear giveaways, and educational talks focused on sustainability and
6: conservation. What is your relationship like with nature and how does it impact and inspire your
7: riding?
1: Well, so I've always been in nature. My dad, you know, tells me stories about he used to take me fly fishing when I was two years old and he'd put me on his back, hike out, catch some fish, put me like up against a tree, let me fall asleep in his backpack and he'd go fishing. So I've always been outdoors and I just really love to share my experience being outdoors with people. And that's a great, you know, way it comes together with being a pro snowboarder and promoting the idea of like snowboarding is awesome. Like it really gives you a connection with nature and yourself that no other sport does and so
3: Paul also advanced through qualification earlier this week he's excited his hometown Jackson Hole is in the spotlight
6: yeah it's great the course is in a area of the mountain that I grew up kind of hiking around when I was really young and riding the backcountry when I was like 10 11 or even younger than that riding with friends and keeping it fun not taking it too seriously and Always enjoy just having a good time and chasing good snow, no matter if it's uh, f- to snowboard professionally or just uh, for fun, to have a great day. So that was, that's what keeps me going, I guess. Yeah. Thanks, Blake. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate
3: it. Nice the next you. two stops on the Natural Selection Tour are in British Columbia and Alaska. But through January 31st, Wyoming will be the center of attention. For K2L News, I'm Will Walkie with Jack Catlin.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL. I'm news director Kyle Mackey, and this is our weekly podcast featuring reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every Friday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our next story is part of a reporting project with Rocky Mountain Community Radio about the transition away from fossil fuels across the Mountain West. Coal-producing Emory County is one of the only regions in Utah to have seen a drop in population over the last decade. Those that remain have lost good-paying jobs as the state transitions away from coal. A new research facility wants to bring back revenue and jobs by experimenting with a number of new technologies. Justin Higginbottom of KZMU in Moab reports on one of those projects, a type of nuclear reactor some think could be the future of power.
5: It's the 1950s, the beginning of the Cold War, and American scientists have just developed an incredible new technology, something that could bring the world endless energy.
7: So basically, nuclear energy is simply splitting uranium atoms to make heat which then goes into heating up water, which then goes into creating steam, which then generates electricity via a turbine. And that's how we've conventionally done it for decades.
5: That's Dr. Matthew Mehmet. He's an expert in nuclear power and professor at Brigham Young University. And he explains that there are downsides to this technology. Solid fuel rods heat up during the reaction. If they aren't cooled down, it's a problem.
7: This is what we refer to as a
5: meltdown scenario. Then there's the waste you have radioactive leftovers from the process, including some really heavy elements.
7: Those last or are radioactive for 300,000 plus years.
5: But this way to generate nuclear power using solid fuel rods isn't the only way.
8: Molten salt reactors for the production of electrical power were studied at Oak Ridge National Laboratory from 1957 to 1960.
5: That clip is from a 1969 film produced by Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. And there, they had a different approach to nuclear energy.
8: The molten salt fuel for this reactor is radically different from that used in solid fuel reactors. Instead
5: of using solid fuel rods, the lab dissolved uranium directly into liquid salt. This was thought to be safer.
7: There's no such thing as a meltdown accident anymore because you don't have solid fuel that can melt. Rather, it's dissolved in the salt. It's already liquid.
5: You also get less of that dangerous radioactive waste, like plutonium.
7: And what's left, the fission products, they're all floating in this salt. And it turns out the fission products are quite valuable, some of them.
5: Like gold, platinum, and molybdenum-99. That's used in medical imaging and worth about $30 million a gram, according to Mehmet. So what does this have to do with coal producing Emory County, Utah, population 10,000? The region has lost a lot as Utah transitions away from coal.
7: Our attitude can't be, well, thanks Emory County, thanks Carbon County, thanks Sevier County, you've been great. We're just going to move on from you. We have to have the mindset of what can we do to ensure that your way of life can be maintained.
5: That's Tom Carter. He's the director of the Governor's Office of Energy Development. And his department, along with Emory County commissioners, have a bet to help the region transition. In Orangeville, just down the street from two coal-fired power plants set to close in the coming decades, is the San Rafael Research Center. It's a space to test new technology, like molten salt nuclear reactors.
7: And so by doing research in these communities, it allows us to better understand what is best for them and not be driven by political wins, but to help identify good technology, the access of time, and be driven by the markets so that everybody wins.
5: The project could, in time, bring revenue from energy and medical isotopes, and it could bring jobs. It's received a state grant of $7 million, and the governor's office has applied for federal funds. Right now, the research space is being used for just that, research. But the thought is that focusing research here will give the community a leg up in applying the technology.
7: So that when we get through the first hurdles to say, here's the fundamental research, now let's go to the demonstration scale. Now now let's build a, a big plant. If you're participating in the beginning, it's easier to be participating at the end. And ultimately, we'd love to see those demonstrations come to Utah.
5: That's Andrew Fry. He's an engineer and consultant at San Rafael. It's unclear if large numbers of new jobs will ever materialize, but so far the center has hired locals.
7: We employ former miners and other people already who are doing the grunt work on the research down there. And they're excellent at it because they know how to run big equipment.
5: Emory County isn't the only place looking at this long ignored nuclear technology. Canada's funding research and scientists in China are testing commercial scale designs. But there are huge obstacles. This type of reactor has never been proven to work on a large scale, and it will take billions in investment. A report last year by the group Union of Concerned Scientists questions the reactor's relative safety. That report says there will still be potentially dangerous radioactive waste from the fission process to consider. But Dr. Mehmet, who founded a company to develop this technology, says he's optimistic, although perhaps a little biased.
7: It it could easily and quickly shift to being the dominant form of electricity production because of the fact that there's no emissions, there's no waste, you're making valuable things, and it's cheaper than everything else.
5: There are some in Emory County who hope that if molten salt nuclear reactors are the future, then that future includes them. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Justin Higginbottom.
0: The Community Foundation of Jackson Hole is a pillar of Jackson's philanthropic ecosystem. The foundation supports a wide variety of nonprofits, including KHOL, and is welcoming three new board members this year. One of them will be among the first Latinas to sit on the board. Next, we'll hear from KHOL Spanish language reporter Alicia Unger about the appointment in English, followed by Unger's interview in Spanish with Daniela Peterson. Alicia, you interviewed Daniela Peterson. Can you tell us a bit about Daniela and why her addition to the board is so important for the Jackson community?
2: Definitely. Um, According to Daniela, she's been in town for over 18 years. She's originally from Chile, where she has her bachelor as a psychologist, and she got her master once she moved to Jackson. Uh, She is a very important asset to the community. She's been involved in many organizations, non-profit, from a long period of time. So therefore, she got invited to the Community Foundation over a year ago, and she was reviewing the request for grants. And now she just got invited by the the presidents and other board members to be part of the board member. So... She's very proud that she can give the Latin community a voice.
0: Right. And we know that representation for marginalized groups is so critical on nonprofit boards. Um, and that's something nonprofits all over the country have been trying to diversify those boardrooms. So what does Daniela say that are some of her main priorities are going to be in this new position?
2: Yes, uh, well, there is a lot of issues, but they're going to focus right now in mental health because as she explained, if you're not well uh, mentally, you cannot work, you cannot function properly in life. So because the pandemic hits the, the town very difficult, especially to minorities, the foundation right now wants to focus and provide help to all this community in order to start moving forward to other issues.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you, Alicia, for your reporting. And we will go now to your full interview with Daniela Peterson en Español.
2: Enjoy it. K-H-O-L, Noticias en Español. Los saluda Alicia Anger, la organización no lucrativa Community Foundation da la bienvenida a tres nuevos miembros, entre ellos Daniela Peterson. Daniela, gracias por estar con nosotros. Cuéntanos un poco cómo surge esta oportunidad.
8: Hola, sí, bueno, te cuento. Llevo acá viviendo en la comunidad de Jackson hace 18 años y bueno, me vine y hice este lugar, mi casa y desde el principio he estado involucrada con la comunidad, siempre al servicio de la gente. A pesar de que ahora tengo mi propio consultorio privado, digamos, siempre trabajé con organizaciones sin fines de lucro y yo empecé a ser parte de un comité para revisar como eh, lo que se llaman los grants, cuando la gen- las agencias piden dinero para poder apoyar, financiar algún proyecto que tienen. ¿Y las becas. Entonces fui in- mm-hmm. Eso, gracias, a las becas. Entonces fui invitada el año pasado y esa fue mi primera participación y contacto directo con Community Foundation. Y después de eso vino a visitarme la presidenta de, esta, de la fundación, Y también como eh, una persona, digamos, de la Junta Directiva, también vinieron a verme y me propusieron si yo podía ser parte de la Junta Directiva.
2: ¿Qué significa como mujer latina representar a una comunidad en una fundación como esta?
8: Primero que todo, siento que ya era una necesidad, porque somos en la comunidad latina, acá somos más del 30%, que no es un número menor. Eso significa que uno en tres personas somos latinos, entonces necesitamos representación, necesitamos ser validados y valorados dentro de la comunidad. Entonces que me hayan invitado primero, esta es una agencia y una organización mucho muy grande, muy importante, es como yo le llamaría como la madre de todas las organizaciones porque siempre está apoyando a todas las organizaciones. Y dije yo creo que esta es una buena oportunidad para mí para representar nuestra comunidad, para representar a nuestra gente, a la clase trabajadora, ¿cierto? Y dije que sí, lo acepté inmediatamente.
2: Daniela Peterson, fundadora y directora de Vista Counseling, hoy miembro de la mesa directiva de la organización Community Foundation. Cuéntanos, ¿qué es lo que puede esperar la comunidad de tener una representante como tú en esta importante organización?
8: Mira, yo dentro de mi experiencia y el trabajo social que he hecho en la comunidad, he aprendido muchas cosas. He aprendido cuáles son las falencias, cuáles son las carencias, cuáles son los desafíos y cuáles son las cosas que la comunidad puede aportar. Entonces, cuando la fundación va a tomar decisiones acerca de cómo distribuir dinero, o sea, qué agencias apoyar y todo eso, a mí me gusta traer la perspectiva de las familias, de la clase trabajadora, la familia que tiene que trabajar para mantener a su familia.
2: Exacto. Entre esas necesidades podríamos hablar de salud, migración, educación,
8: vivienda. Vivienda. Sí, totalmente.
2: Apenas empiezas en esta posición, ¿cuál crees que sería el punto a enfocarse en estos momentos?
8: Bueno, el tema de la salud mental es un tema que se está estudiando y se está trabajando eh, detalladamente dentro de la fundación.
2: El estrés que la gente está pasando en estos momentos es, por uno, una crisis de salud y dos, de repente se ve que ya no tienen en dónde vivir o sus negocios los tienen que cerrar.
8: Absolutamente. Desde que comenzó la pandemia, la salud mental se deterioró, pero en gran cantidad. La cantidad de personas que empezó a sufrir de ansiedad, depresión, estrés aumentó, lo cual eso baja la calidad de vida. Entonces, la pérdida de trabajos, ¿cierto? El aislamiento, la falta de contacto con otras personas, eso aumentó los problemas salud mental. Entonces, por eso se puso un énfasis en eso, porque se vio que en, a todo nivel socioeconómico dentro de la comunidad, dentro del país y el mundo, se vio una fe, eh, se, se vio a la gente afectada. Por lo tanto, por eso se llevó a cabo, por ejemplo, el, el piloto del Jackson Hole Pilot, ¿cierto? Donde se daban seis sesiones gratis a todas las personas. Eh, Ahora se se hizo un estudio, una investigación para ver cuáles son las comunidades más afectadas y qué es lo que necesitan. Y a partir de los resultados de ese estudio, una consultora que fue contratada por el Community Foundation, ¿cierto? Están viendo cómo implementar un plan para poder continuar ayudando a la gente, pero a largo plazo.
2: Daniela Peterson, nuevo miembro de la mesa directiva del Community Foundation. Muchas gracias por tu tiempo, por esta entrevista. Estoy segura que la comunidad latina gana con tener a una representación como tú.
0: Que okay, de nada.
2: Alicia Anger. KHOL Noticias en Español.
0: And now for the weekly news roundup. Here are the headlines you might have missed this past week.
3: The Jackson Town Council approved a sketch plan for a new 67,000 square foot building on Cash and Pearl Streets during their meeting last Tuesday. The development, which would displace several local businesses, has garnered backlash from some community members. However, Councilman Jim Rooks said during a presentation with local planners that rules allowing for this site to be built have been set in stone for decades.
7: You'd have to rewind to 1995 um, to understand why it is that this particular set of lots has the, the unique circumstances that it has. I'm like uh, surprisingly happy with this proposal to the extent that we have a zone that says uh, there's no limits on the amount of square footage.
3: So the question is, what's this mixed-use building going to look like? Right now, the plans in place have six commercial spaces on the ground level and condos and apartments, some deed restricted, above it. The council ended up voting 4-1 to in favor of the sketch plan, with some conditions added. The prevalence of loneliness, excessive drinking, and suicidal tendencies have shown to be much higher in Jackson Hole than they are elsewhere in the country. And it's gotten worse since the pandemic began. The next step for local officials is what to do about it. Abby Ridgway, who has studied the mental health of Teton County residents for the last several months, says programs emphasizing community connections, as well as social resources beyond partying, are one piece of the puzzle. Better treatment options when situations deteriorate, especially for adolescents, is another more pressing issue.
0: Teton County just doesn't have some of the critical facilities and services that people need during a crisis. In particular, the lack of a local detox facility, inpatient treatment and intensive outpatient facilities means that people are having to travel for care, as I mentioned, which can destabilize people's economic situations and their social situations.
3: A steering committee featuring local public health officials will be honing in on what Teton County should invest in first in the coming months. The Teton County Board of Commissioners voted Monday to approve of a letter to the Wyoming Department of Transportation advocating for a speed limit reduction on Highway 22. YDOT is currently lowering the posted limit near Wilson Elementary from 40 to 35 miles per hour after the department conducted an investigation into the roadway and heard community concerns. One public commenter said she feels local people and wildlife will be better protected by reducing speeds on major local roadways. But she also says enforcement will be critical.
7: Take, for example, Highway 390, also known as Moose-Wilson Road. While the speed limit is 35 at night, I often encounter drivers flying past the critical moose habitat zones at much faster speeds. I encourage the county to consider automated ticketing or some other form of speed enforcement if possible.
3: Debates over stretches of major highways in Teton County are likely to continue as the area sees more growth.
0: That's it for today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is by the local band, Strumbucket. You can help us spread the word about Jackson Unpacked by leaving a rating and review for the show in Apple Podcasts. As a reminder, you can also directly help support our small team by making a contribution during our winter membership drive at 891 k slash donate. I'm Kyle Mackey, and this is KHOL Jackson.